Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Just turn your palms towards heaven. What a beautiful touch of God. Father, we just thank you for the anointing. There is nothing more sacred, nothing more precious in the earth. Without the anointing, it's impossible. It's impossible to make earth reflect heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, Abba, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Above everything else, thy kingdom, when his kingdom is present, there is peace. When his kingdom is present, there's freedom. There's liberty. When his kingdom is present, there is joy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God sends his anointing from heaven unto his people in the earth so that we that carry his anointing in the earth have power to make the earth reflect heaven. Father, we don't count that as a light thing. We count it as such a joy, such a privilege, Father. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Fill us afresh with your power. Fill us afresh with your anointing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Give two or three people a high five. Prophesy. Tell them they are really, really ridiculously good looking. Speaking of ridiculously good-looking, a little birdie told me that today is Pastor Cat Sullivan's birthday. I think we need to sing happy birthday to Cat. What do you think? Come on, kitty, stand up. Let us all sing happy birthday to Cat. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, beautiful cat. Happy birthday to you. We love, we love the beautiful Salomons and the secret source of the Salomon family is beautiful Kitty. We just love you. She's a surfer. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's a boss. She's a military, Navy, medic, vet. She's just fun. She's joyful. She's kind. She's lovely. She's a magnificent person. So make sure you shower her with love today. Amazing. Amazing. All righty. Well, it's great, great to be back. I, um, the title of my message today is Back to the Future. Because I'm back. Not really. <laughs> back to the Future. I was sharing with some leaders the other day uh, just about growth. You know, I, 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 and I was kind of joking that, that next year, next year I'm going to name our vision builders... Um, Rest. I'm just going to call it rest. I don't know why last year I called it um, surge. And we surged from six campuses to nine. God bless it. 50% growth in one year. And uh, 
Sometimes, sometimes it, you'll find that there are rhythms. Sometimes you're growing and the organize, organization's not, which is, I think, always a good thing because the organization will always catch up to, to you. But when, when, when God blesses, when, when the organization grows, uh, you can be so busy that you can miss growing with it and then find yourself lagging or almost even left behind in an organization and the, the the nature of the kingdom is growth the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed smaller than all the seeds but when it is planted it becomes larger than all the herbs becomes a tree and the birds of the air the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman worked into a, a lump of dough and it spread and it expanded and it grew the kingdom of heaven is all about increase well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over five talents. You now multiplied those five talents. So I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. Dear Jesus, what about one city? Just start me on one. Ten? Are you kidding me? Ten cities? And so there's this. So in 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 the kingdom, in the kingdom, God's promotion is actually more responsibility. But responsibility and authority go hand in hand. If he's in charge of, he has authority over 10 cities. Now, we know he has responsibility, but responsibility and authority go hand in hand. We never get away from stewardship. Everything in the Bible is about stewardship. It's failed stewardship by Adam in the garden. And then Jesus comes and takes stewardship, takes ownership over the earth, over the devil, over our sins. He, he takes responsibility, therefore he has all authority. So you will find that this, this, this journey, your journey, my journey, is one where, where we're working, walking and working alongside God. We're working and walking alongside God. I tried not to get in his way. I just tried to operate in the way so that so that I'm not a hindrance, an obstacle, or a blockage of, of what God wants, wants to do. So I find that I have, a, I have a, a, a parallel track that I walk beside the Lord and have a parallel track. And in that parallel track, I recognize that it is my responsibility to, to grow. And so I was sharing with some leaders the other night that, you know, one of the catalysts for growth is just literally the recognition of I need to grow. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always hungry for, for books or hungry for, uh, you know, Pastor Morgan was telling me that it, sometimes you can read books on weaknesses or deficiencies, but people get, get much better fruitfulness by developing their strengths and people have much more joy in, in developing their, their strengths. And, and I think that that certainly lines up in, in Scripture. Um, but at the, you know, at the same time, it's, it's that desire to keep growing. I, I am a leader, but I want to be a better leader. I'm a disciple, but I want to be a better disciple. I manage things. I want to become a better manager. I'm a steward over things. I want to become a better steward. I am fruitful. I want to become more fruitful. You know, Jesus even says that the father doesn't just, he's not just happy for a few grapes hanging on the vine. He says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he taketh away. And every branch in me that does bear fruit, it doesn't say that he rejoices and sings. It says, any branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes. Right. Oh, hang on, what, what do you mean he prunes? Well, he gets these sharp scissors and 
secateurs, I think we call them down under, and starts, oh, what the heck? Hey, what the? And because he wants to make you even more fruitful. The Bible says that you should be fruitful, bearing more fruit and fruit that remains. So God is continually trying to help us to be more fruitful. So the first, first area, and, and nobody's going to force, if you need somebody to force you to, to grow, if you need somebody, you know, motivating you to grow, that kind of leaves you in the realm of a follower, not a leader. And, and we all begin as followers. And I don't know if we ever graduate really from following uh, leadership or instructions or, you know, God's, God's laws and precepts. And, but at some point, moving into leadership where you're a self-motivator, a self-starter, you know, you, you, you take responsibility over yourself and your own growth and your fruitfulness. Then the second one that, that I talked about with our leaders was uh, that problems, problems, believe it or not, problems are promotional pieces. Problems come to you not to harm you. Problems come to you to grow you. Nearly all growth in my life has come through problem solving. So, you know, we, we don't like problems, but I don't know if you want a problem-free life. Idle hands do the devil's bidding. And so I've found that it's actually a good thing. In fact, you know, uh, you can tell a lot, of peop- a, a lot about a person by the problems that they're facing. It's, it's, it's not the absence of problems, but tell me the condition of those problems. Tell me the nature of those problems. It's a problem and how do we get more leaders? It's a problem of how do we win the city? It's a problem of how do we take Coronado? It's a problem of how do we advance? It's a problem of how do we solve? It's a problem of how do I get my children serving God? How do I? There are good problems and bad problems, but you'll never have no problems. God allows problems because problems cause you to have to press into God. I, I need wisdom. I need knowledge. I need understanding. I need prudence. I, I, I need to become better. I need to be more patient. I need to, because, because problems. But the, the third one that I didn't share with Elise, I want to share today, is, is the past. The past, dealing with your past, dealing with your past is one of the greatest, in, in fact, I would even say it is, it is the greatest determiner and accelerator of growth in your life. The beautiful thing is when you are born again, you have a past. Paul introduces himself as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, called to be. And, and he introduces himself as Paul. But we know that he wasn't always Paul. His parents called him Saul. So Paul recognizes that I'm a new creation, but I've got to, I've got to deal with my past. We can't run from our past. Moses tried to run from his past. He had made mistakes back in Egypt, but God says, you're going to turn right around and you're going to go back and face the very things that you've run from. You can't run from your past. Can I just tell you this, that you can be anointed, you can be appointed, you can be positioned, you can be titled. You can, you can be operating in a leadership level, but you cannot outperform the dysfunctions of your past. If you don't believe me, read the, read the book of Judges, a young man by the name of Jephthah. Jephthah, the Bible says, was the son of a harlot. And his brothers 
said to him, you shall have no inheritance here among this family. And they drove him out. His daddy didn't say anything because his daddy felt such shame over his indiscretion. His daddy felt such shame about his liaison with the prostitute that got her pregnant that, that brought Jephthah. Jephthah was the firstborn. He was the eldest. He was the one who should have inherited. But because the brothers said, you're the son of another woman, and then he looked to his daddy, he didn't, he didn't decide how he arrived. He, he, he had no say in where his father was putting seed. He had no say in it. He had no say in the woman who would be his mama and give him birth. He had no say in all of that. None of that was. But when he looked to his father, his father couldn't look at him. His father looked away and he let the, the other sons out of their covetousness and out of their jealousy. They determined. They determined that he would be driven out. And so he leaves with rejection. and He leaves with brokenness. But the Bible says that not long after, they, they come and they, they gather Jephthah. And they ask him because he's a warrior. There was, he had an edge to him. There was a, he, he picked fights. So they said, will you lead us? Because, you know, right now the Gibeonites are, are whooping us. And, and if you be our leader, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll accept you. And so he becomes their leader. He becomes their commander. He even get, wins in battle. But because he never dealt with the rejection of his past, because he never dealt with the brokenness and the dysfunction in his family, he ends up sacrificing his daughter through a rash vow because he never dealt with his past. If you don't deal with your past, your past will deal with you. You can't run from it. You can't outperform it. You can't just replace it with the anointing. Believe it or not, Whatever the devil meant for evil in your past is actually one of the greatest growth and promotional tools for your future. Um, while I was away in Israel and then Italy and then came back and then went to the UK, um, weeds grew in my yard. Weeds grew. I did plant. I did plant some basil leaves. They didn't survive. Uh, mint leaves, it kind of died, but kind of come back again. Tomatoes, tomatoes are growing. I'm going to have a little harvest of tomatoes, glory a Dios. And, uh, and then what's the other one that we've got growing that's growing like, we've got rosemary growing like nothing else. Right? I mean, that stuff just grows. It's awesome. So I'm, I'm like, I like having this little herb garden. But you know what? I, I did not plant one weed, did not plant one weed. But there's freaking weeds everywhere. I spent two days weeding. And just as I thought I cleared a whole section, I'm like, they all just pop up. Have you ever noticed you don't need to, to, to plant weeds or water weeds? They just grow. But stuff that you're intentional, I want to plant, and it dies. I planted an avocado tree, and it died. Yeah, planted a, uh, planted a nectarine tree, it died. It's like, man, alive. The things I want to live die, and the things that I don't want to live seem to thrive. And I just thought, you know, I'm just weeding garden. I'm just weeding my, my garden. And this is what the, the Lord showed me. He says, because I cursed the ground, because I cursed the ground, weeds grow. Weeds don't need any help because they, they thrive under the curse. He says, but anything that you desire that's fruitful, that's beautiful, struggles against the curse. So there's, a, there's a curse in the earth. So you will find that that you have to regularly weed things out of your heart. 
because we live in a fallen world and there's the duality, there's the old sinful nature that's still operating to some degree, even though you've got a new operating system, there's this, there's this even though you're, you're, you've now got the planting of the Lord and you've got beautiful fruitfulness and vines and growing, there's still weeds growing from your old nature. There's still weeds growing from your old fallen nature. And so I found that I've got to regularly weed my heart. The Bible says in four, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Out of it spring the issues of life. So let, let me read a couple of scriptures and I'm going to try and jump into this. Uh, the first one is in Proverbs 5, verse 10. Proverbs 5, verse 10. Proverbs 5, verse 10 says, Lest aliens, and it doesn't mean like, you know, little green men from outer space. It means foreigners. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors, all your efforts, go to the house of a foreigner and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I have hated instruction. My heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. This is a a church-going person. This This is not a heathen or a pagan. This is a person who was in church. But for whatever reason, the Bible says they, 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 they didn't like instruction. They despised correction. They didn't obey the voice of their teachers, nor did they incline their ears to those who instructed them. They were on the verge of total ruin while they were lifting their hands in worship, while they were serving on, in an area in church. In the midst of the assembly, they were on the verge of total ruin. In, uh, in, in the book of uh, Ephesians, it says, you know, uh, chapter 4, verse 20, it says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So let me give you, give, give you three quick ones. The first one is that rejection blocks correction. One of the biggest areas in my life that I had to deal with was rejection. I had severe rejection from my father because he got it from his father. He didn't know how to accept. He didn't know how to affirm. He didn't know how to approve. He didn't know how to validate. He had pain in his heart. So nothing ever did was good enough. So there was constant rejection. Because there was constant rejection, Rejection sends, sends a subliminal message that, that, that the things that are wrong with me disqualify me from being valuable. The things that are broken in me, the things that are flaws in me uh, are grounds for my rejection, are grounds for me not being affirmed, not being valued, not being approved. Therefore, I became a performer and could not receive criticism. I'd get defensive when anybody would criticize me because if somebody criticized me, they were seeing a fault, and faults mean rejection. Faults mean disqualification. Faults confirm there is something wrong with me. I am not valuable. I don't belong. I am discarded. I am a broken piece of pottery, not fit for anything. It wasn't the reality because... 
in the book of Proverbs uh, 13, 18, in the NLT, it says this. It says, if you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. There are two things I want to avoid, poverty and disgrace. But if you accept correction, you will be, you will be honored. So I, 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 was, I was in a conundrum, Pastor Mike, because I had all this rejection, and the rejection made me justify, made me lie, made me deny. Well, it wasn't me. It was somebody else. I wasn't and, but, but I couldn't receive correction. I couldn't receive any criticism. Nobody could, nobody could challenge me on an area because I felt like if they looked under the veneer, if they looked under the hood and they saw brokenness, that brokenness, surely my whole life I'd been, my father would point out all my faults and my faults were disqualifications. My faults were why I wasn't loved, why I wasn't accepted. So the Holy Ghost had to take me on a journey. This, 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 this journey really was, I thought I could outperform it. I thought I could run from it if I just love God and just, you know, feed on God's love and just be in his house. And, and, I, and I loved the, the presence of God. And then, but then I was in leadership and I felt that I couldn't confront. I had a, had a boss who was taking advantage of me by the fact that I would just roll over, that I'd never put up a resistance. And I saw that it was destroying my marriage. I saw that it was destroying my family. I had people who ran off with our money. We had very, very little money, but I had two little mouths to feed. And there was a, a person who promised to project manage a, a, a build for us to build us a house and had squandered the money. And then what little I had left, I hired a guy who then, and I thought if I tell him, this is what happened, this is the injustice, and I've got a wife and a brand new little baby, I thought that he would be merciful. But I found out that the world is a very, very cruel, very, very wicked world. People only care about themselves. And so I found in, in, even in that circumstance, this person was quite happy. And because I couldn't confront or didn't know how to confront back then, uh, I was the one missing out. I was the one robbing. I remember looking at my bride and looking at my children, watching the, the, the money go down. And I remember praying to God, saying, God, what is wrong with me? How come I can't confront? I, 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 need, to, I need to confront these people, but there's no courage in there. And God says, because you still have the, the spirit of rejection on the inside of you. If you will allow me to dislodge, if you allow me to deal with, if you allow me to heal the rejection on the inside of you. So I had to go through a deliverance with God. I had to go through a, a moment with God where I allowed him. Proverbs 20, 27 says this. It says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of his heart. We can throw that one up. Proverbs 20, 27. It says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of his heart. And what I found was that God said to me, Jürgen, there's a, there's a, a leadership led over your capacity because you have to confront. I had, a, I had a worship leader who was obstinate, who I would say, this is what I want. He would say, no, we're doing this. And he was so strong. He was like a little bug. He was like a bully. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I just, and I, and, and I thought, well, gosh, well, 
you know, if I confront him, you know, he might leave. And then what will I do? And so I found myself in this, well, I don't really want to confront him. And then I couldn't confront people because I didn't, I wanted them to like me. I didn't want them to reject me. And I realized, oh my gosh, right now I'm at odds with God's purposes. I'm tolerating stuff that shouldn't be tolerated. I'm accepting things that should not be accepted. And I realize even though God loves me, God saved me, God blessed me, God anointed me, and God appointed me, I realize that I'm in his way unless I deal with this rejection. So I went on a deep dive to allow God to, to go into the broken and into the rejected areas and begin to bring healing. And I found incredible growth. Once, once I allowed God to heal and deal... You know, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And we stopped there. But the next line says, and, he, and to heal the brokenhearted. None of us come into the kingdom unscathed. We all get born again. And the, the anointing on you is to proclaim good news. But you need to understand that same anointing actually wants to heal what is broken. What happens when, it's bro when it heals what is broken? The Bible says to bring recovery of sight because you can't see the future clearly while your heart is broken. The condition of your heart determines how you see. Did you know that? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, the blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So the condition of your heart determines how you see God and how you see God's future for you. If your heart is broken, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Out of it spring the issues of life. So if you want to grow and if you want to grow in God, You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to take you into the painful places. The second one was trauma. My God, the traumas of your past determine the levels of freedom that you operate in today. The traumas of your past determine the levels of freedom that you operate in today. You've all heard my, my, my testimony with, you know, my goal was I was going to beat my dad's head in. Um, at 15, I started boxing because I realized when I did try to defend my dad from beating my mother and my, my, myself and my little brother, that, that I didn't have what it took. So I took up boxing. And uh, by the time I was 18, I'd had, uh, had three um, bouts, one or three, and I felt confident. But then I realized if I beat my dad's head in, where the hell am I going to live? Because <laughs> there's no way I'm going to you know, be able to beat the schneid out of him and then stay in the house. So... I realized, oh, I got to, you know, I actually got to save some money so that when I do beat the snot out of him, I can find a, a flat to rent or, you know, somewhere to live. And so that was, but then I got saved. Then I got, then I got saved. So even though I got saved, I got saved and I was in love with God and I was saved and I went to Bible college. But if I was honest with you, I had massive dysfunctions in the area of trusting authority had massive areas in trusting authority. And I would say that I was the, the poster pinup child of everything Samuel was, was, Pastor Samuel was preaching up here, that I was, I was a frantic Christian. I was heightened. I'd run into battle swinging my sword without put, first putting on the armor. There was no calm. There was no still. There was no peace. The reason there was no peace is because of the, the trauma, because of the, the brokenness, because of all the devastation of all of that. And so God had to take me on, on, a, on a journey because I, I found it very easy to be critical of, of leadership. I found that came really easy. But then I found that the devil is criti critical of leadership. 
And then I'm reading the book of Jude where Michael wouldn't even dare bring an accusation against the devil. You would think the one person you could bring an accusation against is the devil, but says instead, the Lord rebuke you. Just, just, you know, I don't even need to say anything. You're jacked up, but you know what? I ain't here to judge. I'm just praying God, you know, deals with you. And so, so God then began to take me on a journey. He says, the reason that you have a problem with authority is because you don't know how to be a son. And if you don't deal with how to be a son, then you'll never be a father of sons because you won't know how to raise great sons. You won't know how to raise great sons in the faith. So, Jurg, sure, if you just want to be somebody that has a testimony but a reputation of, wow, he has a great testimony, but, man, you can't put him in any level of authority, can't put him in any level of leadership because he's critical and he's, you know, he's uh, stubborn and obstinate and rebellious. You can't put him in any... If, if you want that, well, then knock yourself out. But if you want me to use you, if you want me to bless you, if you want to be fruitful in my kingdom, you're going to have to let me walk into the trauma of your past. You're going to have to let me, the, the pain that you've numbed, the pain that you've buried, the things that you've walked away from, you're going to have to let me take you into each and every single one of those moments where it will seem like you're reliving some of the pain, reliving, reliving some of the loss, reliving some of the devastation. But unless you let me do that with you, I can't heal it. You've got to walk with me into those things. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. He knew that when he walked through his darkest, most difficult moments, the Lord was with him. If you can't take God into your pain, how do you stand on the platform and tell people that God will walk with them in their pain? If you can't let God heal the brokenness in you, how can we have a church that heals the brokenness in our city, the brokenness in our people? If, if it doesn't happen in leadership circles, how can it happen in, in those circles? The third one was I found that um, injustices injustices in our life can either bury us or promote us injustice injustice joseph was literally a victim of injustice but he never adopts the victimhood of his injustices the devil is very very crafty he has he has been brilliant he used George Floyd to elevate victimhood to create division to undo everything Martin Luther King gave his life for that a man would no longer be judged by the the melanin content in their skin by the color of their skin but rather that each human being would be judged by the content of their character everything's been flipped on its head where your color, your ethnicity is what matters. If you're white, you've got white privilege and you're hated. If you're black, you've been oppressed and you've been a victim. And so they've created this victimhood culture. When you adopt, when you accept that you're a victim, what you say is that somebody else had power over my life. Somebody else has power and they're, they're, they're treating me unjustly. God never, ever called the Israelites, slaves. He never called, I'm going to bring my slaves out of Egypt. He says, I'm going to bring my sons out of Egypt. 
They saw themselves as slaves. God saw them as sons. God never treated them like victims. He always treated them like victors. Now, he acknowledged that there was oppression. He acknowledged that the world was wicked. He acknowledged that Pharaoh was a reprobate. But he says, I've come down, and I'm going to deliver, and I'm going to take you out. But the 40 years after they were delivered, the 40 years after, the battle was they, they were no longer, there was no chains. There was no whips stinging on their back. There was no extracting of their, their labor in exchange for nothing. But for the next 40 years, they struggled because they still saw themselves as victims and slaves, not as sons, not as sons of the promise, not as inheritors of what God had. It's how they saw themselves that set that. And we have a devil right now messing people up. Injustice is going to happen. You know, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth in the Bible is... The, is um, uh, Jonathan's son, who is dropped when, when Jonathan and Saul are, uh, are killed in battle by the Philistines. The Bible says the, the, the midwife, the maid, picks up little baby Mephibosheth and runs and trips and falls on this little baby and breaks his spine. And so that he is, he is crippled, he is lame, he is unable to walk from the waist down. He, he's, he's a paraplegic. And so his whole life, he's, he's paralyzed. And then David, David says, is there anybody left of the house of Saul and the house of Jonathan that I may show kindness? And they said, well, actually, there is one, Mephibosheth. One day, Mephibosheth looks out of his window and his servant comes running in and says, oh, my gosh, King David's men, his guards, his soldiers have arrived. Mephibosheth thought, this is the day that I knew was going to come. It's inevitable. It's the day I've been dreading. Because every king will eliminate the seed of the previous king. A lion, when an alpha lion defeats another alpha, the first thing it does is it wipes out all the other male lions that have its DNA. But instead of Mephibosheth, having death, they bring him into the royal carriage and they take him to the palace and David says, I'm going to put Zebra in charge of your estate and you'll still earn income, but you won't need it. You need to put it all into savings because from now on you're going to sit and you're going to dine at the king's table as one of the king's men, as one of the king's family. And he's elevated. But when Absalom, when Absalom splits the kingdom, you would think Mephibosheth would side with David. You would think Mephibosheth would be on David's side. Instead, Mephibosheth, because he never dealt with the rejection, never dealt with the trauma, never dealt with the injustice, says, ha ha, let David die because I deserve to be king. I was the son of Saul. I was. And he ends up losing everything when David, God restores the kingdom back to David and Mephibosheth comes on his face before David and comes to repentance. But David says, yeah, you know what? Because I made a vow of kindness, you're going to have half, but your servant is going to inherit. He's going to go from servant to master over half the entire estate that your father, King Saul, had. We can't, ha we can't stop injustices from coming, but we can determine how we respond. How we respond. Don't hide your past. Don't run from your past. Don't pretend away your past. Don't try to outperform your past. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to walk into your past. Allow him to deal with rejection, with trauma, with injustices, because they're the greatest growth and promotion tools in your life. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. If one of those areas, two of those areas, three of those areas, or if you're like me, 11 of those three areas. Touch you. Just lift your hands to heaven. Just say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that my spirit is your lamp searching the inner rooms of my heart. Holy Spirit, I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to walk with you into even some of the painful areas because I want healing. I want deliverance. I want freedom. I want to be used by you. I want to be a blessing to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you welcome Pastor Samuel as he comes. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.